It's wonderful to be in the house of the Lord this afternoon and uh, uh, to receive everything that he has uh, for us. Uh, and it's also wonderful to see all these uh, fantastic people who are going to get baptized today. And one of the most pivotal decisions that you will ever make in your journey, in your walk with God, is that decision to publicly declare your faith by going through the waters of baptism. I remember my baptism very well. It wasn't in a nice pool like this. It was uh, somewhere in the sea, in the middle of nowhere, and I got dunked in the sea. Uh, it's a good thing I could swim because I got dunked in the sea and the person dunking me went down under with me as well. So I got properly baptized. Amen. And we thank God for all of you who are getting baptized today here at Kenston Temple. We're going to take some time now and we're just going to spend some time and go into the Word of God. We've been doing a series in the 2.30 service about championing the vibrant church, how we can really get engaged in our expression of who we are, the church of Jesus Christ in practical ways, in the things that we do. And today, the topic that has fallen squarely on my shoulders is how to handle difficult people, how to handle difficult people. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's not talking about you. I see some of you are worried because you're afraid that in doing that, the, the finger might come back at you. You know, it's important that we understand that sometimes there will be challenges that we face in our Christian work personally, um, in terms of dealing with people. Sometimes as a cell leader and leadership, you might find challenges with dealing with people. And we need to know how to handle these situations rightly, to form the right kind of framework so that uh, ultimately God is glorified in what we do as we express church. You know, the epistle to the Corinthians uh, is an epistle that uh, really never ceases to amaze me because this is a church that had issues. I mean, you think you, you, you have a cell that has issues, you, you ain't seen nothing. The Corinthian church had issues with a capital I. I mean, Everything that you can think of, this church had. There were some very difficult situations there. You know, there were stuff to do with sexual immorality. People were fighting about which leader. I'm for Colin, I'm for Bruce, I'm for Gabriel, you know, and no one mentioned my name. Um, <laughs> and uh, you see, these people had so many challenges. They had issues with regards to the communion. Some people will come and they'll get themselves drunk. Um, now, this was a serious situation, and Paul wrote the letter to the Corinthians as a result of reports that had come to him and some of the leaders would have written a letter to ask him to address some of the issues that were going on in this church. And it's important that we know not just the issues, but we know how to communicate um, and deal with situations that come up as well. We have a fantastic course in our evening Bible school on compassionate communication where you can really learn and grow and develop in your capacity to communicate rightly. Not only do we need to know what to say, but we need to know how to say what to say. And Jesus says, come, let us reason together. In Isaiah, we read those words, come, let us reason together. Uh, and when we hear that, maybe we might think, well, 
Uh, we are having an invitation by the Almighty God to sit down with him, to put our own perspective, uh, put our point across, get his point and argue our point, and he argues his point, and somehow at the end of the day we'll come to some kind of conclusion. No, not really. When, when the scripture speaks there about coming and let us, let us reason together, it is speaking about coming to a heavenly perspective. Because when we measure our earthly perspective, our earthly wisdom, our earthly way of doing things, what we find out that it doesn't measure up to what God desires to happen. And in dealing or handling or, or, or affecting situations with difficult people, we need to have a heavenly perspective. Amen? There's a story I once heard about a mother who was having some problems. She had a difficult son, and this son was giving her you know, quite a headache, and she was having uh, so much difficulty, and it was causing her so much trouble, and you know, panic, and all sorts of stuff. And and so she decided to go and see a psychiatrist. And so she goes to the psychiatrist um, and spends time talking about the son that you know was causing her so much problems. You know, this son was just so difficult. And so the psychiatrist said to her, "You're far too worried. You're far too upset. I think what I need to do is to give you some tranquilizers to just calm you down, you know, and settle you down, and and you know, just to to help you to deal with the situation." So he prescribes the tranquilizer. She goes away. A few weeks later, she turns up for another appointment at the psychiatrist. And the psychiatrist said, oh, uh, have you been taking the tranquilizers? Have they calmed you down? And she's shaking her head, yes, yes, yes. They've come. And I said, well, what about your son? How is he doing? And she goes, who cares? We don't advocate you taking the tranquilizers to help you to deal with difficult situations. Amen. We want to have the tranquilizer of the word of God, which will give us God's perspective as we reason with him, the heavenly perspective of how we should deal with with those situations. And you know, when Jesus walked the faith of, his, of this earth, the Bible says that he experienced everything that you and I would ever experience. That's why he could go to the cross of Calvary to die and be the substitute sacrifice and take upon himself the sin of all mankind. He faced all situations there were to face. And Jesus had a group of disciples around him, and boy, did he have a challenging bunch around him. You know, he had Peter, who had foot in mouth disease, and he will always put his foot in it. He, he will always speak, um, I mean, act before he, he thought about what he'd done, and, and always, you know, doing the stuff, and then having to come to regress and, and change what had happened. And then you had, you know, the sons of thunder, James and John, you know, call fire down from heaven and consume them. That's how they would have dealt with difficult people. Just burn them up, Lord. Just burn them up, you know. Um, and, and they wanted to sit in his right hand and left hand. And then you had, you know, Thomas. You know, I love Thomas's um, uh, uh, name, uh, uh, Thomas called Didymus. Didymus. I thought that sounds like a, a, a rap artist, Didymus. So it's a good name. Maybe if I ever go into rapping uh, uh, later on in my, in my youthful life, I might call myself Didymus. That might be my rap name. What do you guys think? Yes, Didymus? No? Okay. Forget it. I can dream. But Thomas was the unbelieving disciple, the disciple who just could not believe 
what had happened. Always questioning when Jesus Christ died, said, no, I, I have to kind of figure. And he carried this, this, this uh, description of somebody who was unbelieving. This was the bunch that Jesus Christ had to deal with. He had to deal with them. In John 17, Jesus gets frustrated. He gets frustrated with his disciples. Because what had happened He'd just come back from the Mount of Transfiguration. Uh, uh, Peter, James, and, and John had been there. They'd seen an amazing uh, miracle, I should speak, happen before their eyes. Jesus was transfigured. They saw Elijah. They saw Moses. And they just had this wonderful, awesome, glory experience. They come down from the, the mountain. There's a crowd there. And this woman comes to Jesus afterwards and says, you, Could you help me to heal my boy? who's got problems um, with uh, epilepsies. He's got some kind of stuff that he's struggling with. And, and Jesus said, well, why should I help? Because, well, I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't help him. They couldn't do anything for him. And Jesus Christ got frustrated, and he said, you perverse and faithless people, how long must I be with you until you believe? How, must, how long must I put up with you, bring the boy to me? And then Jesus prays, ministers to the boy, and the boy gets healed. And so afterwards, the disciples come to him, and they say, you know, did we do something wrong? Did, did we not get it right? Was there stuff that we needed to, 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 to have? Is there a particular way of doing this? And Jesus simply said to them, you people, you didn't have enough faith. You didn't have enough faith. And that's why I want us to start our journey this afternoon, because in dealing with difficult people, we need to start from a faith platform. We need to be able to believe that God can change and affect situation. Our position must be a faith position from the onset. Amen? Our position must be a faith position because if we do not have a faith position, it's going to affect everything else that we're seeking to do. Now, what is faith? The Bible says faith is what? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. And we have a few practical guidelines in the scriptures for managing difficult people. A couple of passages I want to highlight this afternoon for Matthew 18 and verse 15 to 17 and also Ephesians 5. Both of these passages instruct us how to confront difficult people starting off privately but also addressing them in love. It's calling on us to take the initiative, but in doing so to make sure that we are firm, that we are friendly, and that we are fair in terms of how we handle them, in terms of how we handle them. So I want to give you some pointers. Laying faith as the foundation, what are some of the pointers that we need to have and work with in order to be able to deal with difficult people or people who maybe a little bit challenging, a little bit challenging. I did a quick dip into the dictionary um, to, to look at the definition of difficult, a difficult person. And this is what I came out with. Somebody needing or something needing much effort or skill to accomplish, deal with, or understand. Needing much effort or skill to accomplish, deal with, or understand. And so our foundation 
in terms of dealing with people as we seek pointers of how we can be church, how we can demonstrate Christ, it starts off with prayer. Prayer. This doesn't go without saying because in prayer we are able to get God involved straight off. We are able to bring God into the picture immediately. And I hope that uh, uh, as we spend some time next month looking at the whole subject of prayer in the, the 2.30 series, we'll have an opportunity to develop this area even further, that we understand that prayer is not just about, you know, standing up in church, shaking like this, and, you know, moving around and going shaka ba 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 You know, yes, that's an aspect of, you know, expression of prayer, but we're talking about our ability to communicate and commune with God consistently. Consistently. You know, the scripture from 1 Thessalonians 5 says, pray without season. And as a young Christian, I remember reading this particular passage of scripture, and I took it literally. I probably would have been saved for about two, three weeks, maybe a month, and I came across this scripture. I was just, you know, reading the word and reading the word and reading the word. You know, and I saw this scripture. It says, pray without ceasing. Now, if the Bible says it, you believe it, and that settles it. And so pray without ceasing. That means I should be praying at all times. So I get up in the morning. I pray, 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 pray. I walk around. I go to, to at the time I was studying, I was going to, to lectures. I'm praying in lectures. I'm praying. I come from lectures. I'm praying. I'm eating up. I mean, literally, for days on end, I thought that you literally had to pray consistently without stopping. And that the times when I had to pause, you know, I would sleep praying and I would wake up praying. Literally, because I thought that you had to pray without season at the time. But little did I know at the time that obviously my understanding was a little bit shaky in terms of what prayer was about. Praying continually. Prayer is simply communication with God. And when we pray... We are not asking for our way, we are asking for God's way in how to handle the situation. When we pray, we ask for wisdom, for discernment, for courage, for grace, for patience in how we should deal with this situation. There's a song that says prayer is the key. And I'm having to kind of lay this foundation because I think oftentimes when we have situations where there's some kind of difficulty, we can, you know, rush headlong and try to utilize our wisdom and, and sometimes we might say we're using godly wisdom, but we haven't allowed ourselves to commune with our heavenly Father to give us his perspective concerning that situation, concerning how to handle that person. And even though two situations might seem similar or even familiar, they're never the same. And so God giving us his perspective in the place of prayer helps us to approach it in the right way. Philippians 4 says this, Be anxious for nothing, but in what? Everything. Somebody say with me, in everything. In? In? In everything by prayer and supplication present your request to God. You know, God wants to talk to us about the situations that we face when we have to handle difficult people. And so, if we're going to be effective in doing this, prayer is an absolutely vital key that we have to have in our closet. The second thing is we need to realize 
our limitations that certain people you can work with, others you cannot work with. You cannot take on board every situation, every person, every individual. Some things might just be beyond you, beyond your capacity. So if you understand that, you will know your limitations and know, well, this is a situation that I can handle, and this is a situation that I can't handle. I need to get somebody else involved in this. I need to pass the situation on to somebody else. And so we understand that we can only walk with those that we can. Amen? You're not committing the unpardonable sin if you say, well, this is a situation, this person is just too difficult for me to handle personally. I don't have maybe the capacity, the skill set, the leadership, the, the discipleship, the knowledge, or whatever it might be to handle this particular situation, and I need to get somebody else involved in this. And so we need to seek the situations and ask God in prayer, who are the people that we can uh, genuinely deal with and handle and manage and, and facilitate and not allow ourselves to get drawn into the things that will literally sap our energies away because we are putting our attention or trying to deal with stuff that ultimately we cannot deal with. And so we need to know our limitation. It's not something that is new because sometimes some people will work with you. Sometimes some people just won't work with you. Jesus Christ in his earthly ministry had a situation where people do away from him. In John chapter 6, after he had been speaking um, to his disciples, they were challenged about the word that he was speaking. And, and Jesus Christ could discern that there was a little bit of a, mm, we can't handle this. And he just called it out to them, said, are you guys offended? Are you guys offended about the stuff I've been talking about? Are you offended about that? And after that, the Bible says, verse 66 of John 6, it says, after that, many of his disciples turned back and walked with him no more. There will be situations where you're just not going to be able to press beyond that uh, scenario with that individual. Don't get yourself sucked up in trying to reach something that you cannot reach. But it is in your capacity for those that you can reach to begin to help them to, to deal with or to, 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 to find yourself in a place where you can deal with the situation that presents itself. And that brings me to the third point, which is that you need to develop the capacity to teach, to preach, to encourage people from the Scriptures graciously and redemptively. What do I mean by that? I mean that our whole purpose in handling difficult people is to win them. It's not just to point out their flaws. It's not just to say, well, you were wrong at this. But our goal is ultimately to win them. In the same way that we were alienated from God, we were cut off from God, and his desire in sending his son through, through the cross to die for our sin, to pay the price, was so that he could redeem us. He could give us another chance. He could allow us to have another opportunity. And so we need to 
preach and teach the word of God. You know, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 reminds us that all scripture, everything that is in the word of God has been breathed by God and it is profitable for us to utilize to deal with situations. It says for reproof, for rebuke, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God. Now we see that phrase there and we think, oh, that refers to the people who are not on the platform. No, it's talking generally about believers that any person who says that I am of God, I am a Christian, I'm a Christ in person, I'm a follower of Jesus, every person will be thoroughly equipped for the work that God has called them to do. And so we need to be people who are able, through careful thought and, and, and preparation, bring the word of God and, and use the scriptures to speak into people's lives, to deal with situations that come up. Don't allow yourself to get sucked up by maybe the, 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 the lack of understanding that sometimes might come out because someone finds themselves in a difficult situation. Be willing to humbly direct and confront them in the hope that they might change or turn around from the situation or that position that they are in. And let me throw in a word of caution there. It is important that we maintain a level of confidentiality. If you find that you're having to handle somebody who's difficult, a situation as a reason, and you, you're having to, you know, come in there and unravel and deal with stuff, don't turn it into the next topic in the conversation you're having with your friends or in your cell or wherever it might be. Protect that person by not allowing yourself to put them on the platform for discussion. Oh, if only you knew what that person was like. Or him, or her. Oh, let me tell you, you, don't, you think that person is difficult. Let me tell you about this person, how difficult they are. No, 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 no. God hasn't called us to do that. Yes, he's called us to challenge and confront, but he's also called us to respond in the right way. We must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Point number four is that we need to remember that every one of us belongs to God. We are all his children. That difficult person, they are God's child. That difficult person that you're having to handle, they are born of God. They belong to him. He is their heavenly Father, and we need to recommend to, 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 to understand and to give that commendation to that individual that they also belong to God. However difficult they might be, if they have been born again, if they're a believer in Jesus Christ, they belong to Him. And He, as their Heavenly Father, is still working in their lives. And we need to acknowledge God in them. You know, oftentimes the first barrier that we can have in dealing with difficult people is somehow approaching them as if they're from another camp. In other words, yes, you might come to church. Yes, you might sing the songs. Yes, you might lift your hands in worship. But everything about you says that you are not my brother, you're not my sister. What made you or gave you the authority to qualify whether or not that person is your brother or sister? Is it because of their attitude towards you, or is it because of the blood of Jesus Christ? The blood of Jesus Christ, it what 
joins us as brothers and sisters. And every single one of us needs to recognize that but for his grace, we would find ourselves alienated, cut off. When the woman was caught in adultery, who was caught in adultery was brought to Jesus Christ by our accusers. People who had brought her to say, oh, this woman is such a, a problematic individual. She needs to be dealt with. And we want to, you know, do what we would do in such a situation and stone her to death. And Jesus Christ makes a profound statement. If anyone is here, they're without sin. Well, cast the first stone. And no one, but no one, could pick up a stone and cast it at that woman. We need to understand that the people that we are handling belong to God. They are his by right of creation. They are his by right of redemption. And therefore we are called to be patient because God is patient. He will weave things together often in a timetable, in a framework that might be different from us. We only need to continually realize that that individual is a part of his church. And sometimes we might begin the work of engagement with that individual. Just as the scripture says, one person sows, another one waters, and God brings the increase. And sometimes you might start that process. You might be the first person that begins to unlock that difficult team, that person, that attitude, that situation. You might be the first person, but God might not use you to bring that whole situation to its conclusion. You might start it off, somebody else might come in, do a bit of work with that individual, somebody else might come in, and you know, six months down the line, you encounter this individual, and you think to yourself, wow, you've changed. But it wasn't down to you, it was down to the church of Jesus Christ. And so, we need to remember that every individual belongs to God, and we need to be patient in that process. Someone once said that God is the caregiver, I am only the caregiver. He brings the cure, all I have to do is care for my brother and sister in Christ. And finally, we need to draw from experience and love deeply. In handling people, we need to draw from experience and love deeply. A minister once said, the only experience I have is personal experience. Personal experience. And so in handling difficult people, we need to draw from experience. And sometimes that experience will be personal to you. Sometimes that experience will be outside of you. That's why God has put in the church of Jesus Christ people in positions of authority, of leadership. And if we go to that passage of scripture that I shared right at the beginning from Matthew chapter 18, it says that if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the fault. If another person listens and confesses, if that person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others and go back again so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If that person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. If the church decides you're right but the other person would accept it, treat that person as a pagan 
or a corrupt person. So basically, there is a process that we have here, a process that means that we learn from experience, draw from experience, have others involved in that process, and underpinning all of that is an attitude of love, an attitude of love. First Peter 4 and verse 8 says this, Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers over a multitude of sins. Be fervent in your love for one another. You see, what love does, it means that we will continue persevering even when we're not seeing everything that we're meant to see. Like I said, every single one of us, we are work in progress. We're work in progress. And yes, there are challenging people without a doubt. There can be people who are, you know, just difficult to handle. Nothing new. We see that in the scriptures. We see that in the word of God. We see situations even in Jesus' own ministry where he's having to adjust and deal with the problematic situations, the difficult people that were around him. But let's remember, our first port of call is that we can pray. We can come before God. We can get him involved. We can seek his face. We can get his perspective on the situation and the circumstance. Recognize our limitations. Secondly, there's some people that we can work with. There's others that we cannot work with. So let's work with those that we can. Let's allow the word of God, thirdly, to become the platform for us engaging and dealing with the situation. All scriptures being breathed by God, given by inspiration of God, it's profitable, it's useful, it's right. It's able to help us to deal with those situations. A fourth point that we highlighted that we need to remember that that person belongs to God. And so let's be patient with that individual. They're work in progress. God's still working on them. We might start off with them, somebody else might get involved, but ultimately God will bring out his purposes for their life. And lastly, let's draw from the experience, call on those God has placed in authority when it's right to do so, but ultimately allow ourselves to walk in love as we seek to deal with difficult people. All ministry, including working with difficult people, is God's work. All ministry, not just the difficult ones, but everyone that we engage with, everyone that we minister to, everyone that we have one-on-ones with, the twos, the threes, in leadership, as a cell leader. Every ministry, including those with difficult people, all of it is God's work. And therefore, we can be thankful because if it is his work, it's not about us. It is about him. Amen? Ultimately, it is about him. And so let your actions in dealing with difficult people reflect him so that the legacy that you leave will be the right legacy in how you deal with people. Amen. So let's continue to champion the vibrant church in how we deal with people, especially the difficult ones, so that we can continue to have purposeful engagement in church life. Amen. Well, I hope God has ministered something to you and maybe situations that you are thinking about that you need to handle. I pray God has deposited something in you that we can continue to be the church that God has called us to be and effective in our work and ministry. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for our time together this afternoon. Lord, we know in some ways this is a difficult subject, but we know that it begins with us as an individual, 
your desires to work in our lives, to change us into the express image of Jesus Christ, to help us to become everything that you desire us to become. Lord, I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice today, where maybe as we've shared together this afternoon, people have thought about situations, individuals, circumstances that they need to address. I pray, Lord, that you will help us to be effective in how we handle difficult people that ultimately we will reflect you. And as we deal with those situations, we'll bring glory and honor to your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Thank you very much.